I said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And so I hope everybody had a nice Easter weekend. And uh, I know I did. I I made Brussels sprouts and scalloped potatoes and all kinds of stuff. I've been getting into cooking a lot lately. It's been a lot of fun. Um, But... You know, had a lot of conversations talking with some uh, very knowledgeable people over the weekend about uh, Ukraine and some other things. Uh, Some people in D, you know, in D.C. in the know and, uh, you know, made for very interesting conversations. I learned a lot and uh, informed a lot, too. Um, But. You know, we're still we're still faced with this whole notion of, you know, the same battle. And uh, this this whole thing about censorship is really bugging me. You know, I'm seeing it on social media everywhere and everybody just wants to sort of believe what they hear about the atrocities coming from Putin uh, over into Ukraine. And and that's more than likely that's true. There's a lot of that going on. But I think that the Western beanie is blowing up this whole Nazi thing and then trying to associate, you know, the white supremacist Nazis with uh, Ukraine in a certain way that is connecting with uh, the conservative movement here. Like if you support Putin and Putin's notion that everybody in Ukraine is a Nazi— then, then basically, uh, you're you're defending Putin, and what they what they want to do is they want to pigeonhole you into defending Putin, and Putin is somewhat indefensible in and of himself. And we've said it here from the beginning that you know this is not really a, a war where you have great choices, um, but you know also. There is slaughter going on in Cameroon right now. 
And there's protests all over the world in uh, Pakistan protesting uh, a puppet-installed government that's replacing Imran Khan because of a U.S. coup and meddling in their affairs in Pakistan. You know, remember, it wasn't that long ago that New, uh, Victoria Nuland was meddling in the affairs of politics in Ukraine. And my beef with this Ukraine thing is we didn't just get here overnight. We, we got here because of 10 years of corrupt policies exploiting a puppet nation like Ukraine. And we got here because of neocons and we got here because of people like Obama and Biden and a bunch of corrupt bureaucrats and politicians like, say, Alexander Vindman or uh, Fiona Hill and all these people that were waging coups against American presidents. You know, there's a lot of that. And uh, normally I don't take a call. Caller, uh, you're on the air. Yes, uh, you're talking about slaughter this morning. Well, here in California, the United States, there's slaughter here too. Tomorrow, the California legislature votes on a bill that will basically uh, be infanticide. Uh, children born after uh, six weeks can be killed. This, there's slaughter in America. There's slaughter in California. This state is so, uh, so shameful, so sickening. Uh, it, people don't realize, yeah, there's slaughter all over the country, all over the world, but it happens right here in our country. Yeah. And they do, they want to do it legally. And this is what is, this is why California is, is falling into the sea, uh, of hell. It's just a shame. But tomorrow they vote on it. And I guarantee you, they will pass it. What what is the what is the actual bill? What is it? When you talk, no, no, but I mean, when you talk about infanticide, what are you actually saying? I mean, I know what infanticide is, but are they? Are you saying they can kill a child up uh, six months after it's born? Yes, after six weeks, it can still be killed. Yeah. Uh, So that's that's the bill in California. So Um, just define it for the audience one more time. Okay, basically, California is passing it. They're voting on a bill tomorrow. And that what that bill will provide up to after six weeks, after a child is born and living, they can still kill it as an abortion. And they're still calling that, they're calling that an abortion, huh? That's, just, that, that's not aborted anymore. That's, well, it's infanticide. Know. It's basically legalized killing. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pathetic what it is. Wow. And uh, this is this is the America we live in. So this California is so out of control. Uh, there's ten bills on the thing right now. One of the bills that they got, I think it's SB 180, that if you uh, have a child in school, 12 years old, it allows the uh, school to vaccinate that child without the parents' permission or knowledge wow yeah that's crazy yeah yeah well you know california communist california yeah absolutely it's crazy that's crazy what is uh the the people that support that i i mean i wonder what their threshold their threshold is i know what ours is but i mean i wonder what their threshold is it's like is it a year 
How, how old does the child have to be before you can kill it? You know what I mean? We, yeah, we have pure evil in our government here. I mean, wow. when I say pure evil, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I mean, these people are sick, insane, evil people that are running California's this, government. And this is an attack the, on Christianity. This is an attack on yes. Christianity because people who uh, put God first uh, will never put government over that. And so long as they have faith and believe in God, uh, they're never going to come around to believing in government the same way, and government can't have that. They, that's not making them happy. They're like, we got to somehow fix this problem. Uh, we got to make it so government is more valuable than Christian to Christians the the God uh, Christians God, they gotta ma- they gotta replace God with government, and that, I believe that's one of their missions, and I think that's why we're seeing this whole indoctrination and grooming and gaslighting and exaggeration of the numbers. What we see on Netflix or something, every episode of every series, they're checking every box, and the problem with it is they're grooming. Just like Disney wants to groom your children, just like these wacko teachers want to talk about cisgender and transgender to to five-year-olds and ten-year-olds. And it's insane that they're doing that. But you know what? Guess what? Guess what? A ten-year-old, a ten-year-old is going to be voting in eight years. That's two elections from now. A ten-year-old is going to be voting in two elections. An eight-year-old in ten years from now, an eight-year-old is going to be voting. And what they're yeah. trying to do is they're trying to condition and groom that eight-year-old into becoming a confused, indoctrinated, liberal voter that supports the, the, uh, all kinds of vari- varieties of different kinds of families to the point where you get banned and censored on social media if you merely question whether or not it's more than two sexes. Yeah, a the man and a woman. Is, that's 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 hate speech now. If you question yeah. that, the scary thing is there's a saying, and everybody, I'm sure a lot of people have heard it. So goes California, so goes the nation, and that's what I'm scared of. Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah, California packs a big punch when it comes to public policy. It's almost like a uh, a testing ground, a petri dish. It's like we can, we, we, we'll try to pull it not, off here, not, and then we'll try to push it and sell it to 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 the middle America. There's 45 million people here, and that's not counting the illegal aliens that we don't know about. Yeah, but it's it's not just that. It's not just the volume, sheer size of the and volume of people. It's it's the um, it's how much they've indoctrinated and how much they've imported illegal migrants and how many Democrats that there actually are there in, Dem- in California. You know, it, it, is a, it is a big state, and there are a lot of people that love Donald Trump and a lot of people that wear MAGA hats. Um, but it also is a state where they could push agendas like this and try them out and then figure out how to package them and sell them to the rest of the country. And not only that, but because they fudge their numbers, because they're not asking that citizenship question on the census anymore, which is ridiculous and insane in and of itself, um, they're able to get more representatives than they deserve, and they're able to then sway Congress into passing public policy. 
because they have so many, you know, Ted Lou's and and Adam Schiff's and and Jackie Spears and Nancy Pelosi's and Maxine Waters and all these radical, um, you know, swallows. Well, you know, all these different people that Adam uh, Schiff. Yeah, I, I mentioned him, and these are oh. all anti-American, anti-democratic. Uh, people that have been sleeping with Fing Fang Yang, you know, and all kinds of different things. You know, you got uh, Feinstein with a uh, with a uh, Chinese spy as her driver. You know, it, it, it confident goes on and on. The line. What's that? And Feinstein, they say now, and even in the Chronicles, says she's not coherent. She's the same status mentally as the Biden right now. Well, she, she already filed to run. She's going to be running when she's 88. If she's still alive, God, has got to... Yeah, I'll but she, she filed to run again. She she filed again. Like yeah, I know. Feinstein. You know, it's like, it's yeah. time to, you know, retire, hang them up. Well, but, here's what I can say. Uh, on May 5th, it's National Prayer Day. Pray. Yeah, absolutely. May 5th, yeah. That's all I can say. Because God knows we need prayer. Yeah, we do. We need We need all kinds of... Uh, support and help. Anyway, thank you. And we need to stay together thank as you. well. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for calling thank in today. You. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Well, yeah. Well, that that was actually, um, we got to talk about some things I wanted to talk about today anyway, uh, which was uh, um, the indoctrination and grooming. Uh, I had this conversation over the weekend too. And, you know, that's where it's coming from. You know, I'm trying to always try to figure out, like, where, where is it? What is this about? And, and uh, you know, I'm reading all these different stories as well. Um, these professors that are, uh, you know, trying to peel this onion and they're coming, coming from it in different perspectives to try to, like, inch their way forward. But... I think that what's going on with these teachers and Disney and Netflix, you know, because Netflix, there's one meme after another. It's a big joke. And the joke is that they check every box. You know, you would think that America was nothing but, um, you know, uh, LBGDQ country, you know, and it's not. It just isn't even close. If you look at the actual sheer numbers, like if you take trans, if you were to give them their own league, their own division, nobody would ever, ever watch them. They're piggybacking off of the strength of the heterosexuals. They're piggybacking off of the strength of women's sports or, or, or men's sports. But they're piggybacking off of that. And it's like Margaret, Margaret Thacker, Thatcher once said, the trouble with socialism is you it you always run out of some uh, other people's money, and what it is is there's equity and trust that's built up with the societies that we live in, to where things are right with the world. You know when you have uh, competing nations that may not get along politically, they can compete on the mat or compete on the track and compete in the swimming pool and compete anywhere on the court and they could shake hands and they can be civil and they can get along with each other and they can respect each other as people 
because the governments don't really reflect the people, unfortunately. Not always. Not not today. And with the, 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 the trouble with New World Order globalism, you're going to have fewer people controlling larger amounts of people and larger amounts of land mass. And your politician, who's supposed to answer to his constituencies, the people that voted for him or her, and what's going to happen is they're going to um, now have to go through more red tape and answer to the people in Brussels or the people at the UN or the people at the WHO or the World Economic Forum. There are going to be all kinds of rules and regulations that are outside of our governance that they're going to have to go through, this red tape. So they're not going to be able to represent you. And if they want to get reelected, they're going to have to answer to corporations like BlackRock and Vanguard. Vanguard tried to stop Elon Musk by buying more shares than Elon Musk has at Twitter now. How do you like that? And they're taking advantage of this poison pill thing. And we're going to talk about that today as well. But this whole grooming thing, trans would never make it as a sport of its own. Number, no one wants to see the freak show, number one. number It's a sad case. A lot of these people are, are very messed up mentally. They're confused as to, you know, if you're confused as to who you are sexually, you might want to actually talk to somebody. You might want to talk to a doctor or a psychotherapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. You may want to talk to a family member. You may want to talk to a support group. But, you know, you ought to talk about, talk these things through because once genital mutilization hits, it's, it's irreversible. It's, there is no tattoo removal system in place. And it's, you know... I, I always, um, not always, but I mean, sometimes I find it very sad to see somebody put tattoos all over their body when they're so young. And you just wonder if they're going to, you know, regret those things in 20 years. And I've met people that have said, oh, I put, I did this when I was really young and and caught up in a moment. And it's, of course, it's a personal, uh, permanent thing. Now, they have tattoo removal, but they don't have gen- genital reversal, genital mutilization reversal. And so, you know, there should be some laws in place that protect children from their, the, themselves. And to pass these laws in the reverse direction, like they're doing in California and elsewhere, where children don't even have to consult with their parents with respect to abortions or anything. It's uh, sad. And then you have different states competing in different ways. You know, some, some states are banning it altogether, and some people, states are doing what California is proposing to do tomorrow, which is to pass a law where you could kill an infant that's up to six weeks old, which is insane to me. That doesn't, that's off the charts insane. And, you know, when are we ever going to look back on some of these things and say, I can't believe we did that? We look back in history and we see these things and we're like, I can't believe, where were their heads? <coughs> With regard to Jim Crow laws and discrimination, you know, we look back at that and we say, how insane was that? How insane? Where were these heads? Where, how can a judge get their head around the law 
and come up with Jim Crow is okay. But guess what? You know, Jim Crow was a segregationist set of guidelines. It wasn't even laws. They couldn't pass them really as laws. They were passing them as private corporations sponsoring guidelines, just like they're doing today with COVID. They're doing the same exact thing today, violating your rights, passing them off as guidelines, and the corporations like BlackRock demand that the corporations that work underneath them adhere to the science (coughs) and to the CDC guidelines. And... um, and, and the problem with that is they're getting they're side skirting the U.S. Constitution, and these these mandates and guidelines almost become a law. And that's the sad truth, and that's uh, the the real problem. And you know, let's not forget that this segregation, Jim Crow, uh, was all pa- those are those are passed by liberals. Those are passed by Democrats. You look that up. Jim Crow was passed by Democrat, South, Southern, local, and state Democrats. And that's why you had governors like George Wallace, a Democrat, that stood in the doorway and said, by, you know, over in my dead body are we going to integrate these schools? No, integration was good. No one has a problem with integration. But what the biggest problem we're facing today is, is advanced and accelerated um, engineered multiculturalism. You know, where you, as a society, have to learn and evolve and grow. And this doesn't take weeks. This takes, and this doesn't just take years. This takes decades. You know, I'll never forget, though, that the Cheneys said this, and not a big fan of the Cheneys, obviously. Right. Liz Cheney is a, a real piece of work. But Dick Cheney and his wife had a child that was a lesbian. And they came out and they said, we support personally, our family supports our daughter, but supports, um, you know, gay marriage or whatever it was that they were talking about about 15 years ago. And I think it was something in that nature, uh, gay marriage. And what they were talking about is, we support it, but we're against it from a public policy perspective because we don't think the country's ready for a whole host of reasons. There's a lot of elderly uh, couples that have been married 50 years that when they got married, say, you know, say this was this conversation was in 2004 or somewhere in that neighborhood, right? You go back 50 years, you're, you're back in 1954, right? Somewhere in that neighborhood. And at that time, when you entered into a marriage contract, it was between a man and a woman. It was understood, if not documented and written. And now when they changed all these things, it becomes almost a, a breach of contract with, that you had with your state or your local government or, you know, what have you. But... So there were some legal ramifications to that and that evolutionary process that that uh, there would be too much disenfranchisement that people who marry, bought into the sanctity or the institution of marriage uh, 
were being disenfranchised. Their their contract or their commitment was being altered, if not watered down, diminished, and probably not legally right, and not not right morally and ethically either. And so the Cheneys actually kind of, I thought, did something that was admirable there, which was they they made a statement that from a public policy perspective, it's different than from their own private viewing of what 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 is. And I, I respected that. But, you know, the idea is that when we're force-feeding the uh, people coming across the southern border and injecting them into our neighborhoods, and then there's this affirmatively affordable fair housing uh, thing that is going to empower cities to actually reach their arms out and grab a piece of the control over uh, their suburbs with their ability to get housing funding which is going to involve police funding, uh, which is going to impact housing property values in suburbs where people made a conscious choice to leave the inner city and move out to the suburb to greener pastures with trees, and somehow they're going to get get these homeless shelters installed, whether they like it or not, and that's going to impact the value of their property, which is a theft of assets, just like inflation is one of the biggest thefts that the government can do to you. It's one of the, it's one of the hidden taxes. And Thomas Sowell uh, just wrote something about it just this uh, week, that, that basically it's a, it's a theft of the middle class. Because the people in the super-rich tower, tower elites, they're not worried about whether their million dollar boat costs a million two or a million three, they're not worried. They're not living on the margins. And the super poor don't pay anything anyway. They're just going to get more government tax dollars to uh, support the inflationary impact. So they're getting free, free perks from the government. They're going to be allegiant to the government. And the rich don't want the competition from the middle class rising up. They like their monopoly, just like the globalists love their monopoly. They, you know, this new world order is all about monopoly. This new world order is all about a, basically a larger group, but fewer people controlling more people. That's true, but it's going to be basically like a two-tier world or order or a three-tier world order where you're going to have something like China, Russia, you know, maybe BRICS, maybe, you know, Brazil, um, I mean, uh, BRICS. Uh, Brazil, was it? Russia, India, China, and uh, South America, right? And Brazil. So you get BRICS, and they're going to start maybe their own currency, and who knows what. And then we have a hypersonic pack uh, that's going to be part of our five eyes. And then we have the European Union, and we're probably going to have American Union. And basically, it's going to be fewer people in control of more people by bringing all these people together and opening up all the borders. And, you know, you're no longer the United States of America. You're the 
you're something else. And then that makes it easy for them to look at what the forefathers were talking about and say, well, they were talking about the United States. That's history. That's kaput. We're not, we're done with that. We're going to change the United States into uh, the United Americas. We're not, and you know, the states are just uh, folklore. You know, they still exist, but really it's, it's the United Americas, not the United States. <clears throat> what does that do to the founding fathers? And what does that do to the principles of the Constitution? Wouldn't that be the quickest way to get rid of your Second Amendment right? How about your First Amendment right? We're seeing that under siege right now by Twitter, right? And what Elon Musk did was he exposed this radical elite this social construct that Twitter had with the Democrats in society. And we, we now know it's, it's not just about, it's not just about um, Elon Musk or anything else. It's, it's about speech. <clears throat> because they have a fiduciary duty to honor and bring profit to their shareholders. And guess what? They're doing exactly the opposite with this poison pill. Exactly the opposite. So there's a, so many, so many little things that we've been talking about just now that are just all over the place, but yet they're all connected. They're all connected by the same power elite structure, and we we we're realizing that now. We're realizing that. I have a uh, piece that I wanted to uh, share with you um, related to uh, this poison pill business. Twitter takes a poison pill to counter Musk. And then also Bin Talal. Bin Talal is a good friend of Bill Gates. Bin Talal is a good friend of Barack Obama. Bin Talal was connected with Jamal Khashoggi. And Bin Talal also came out and basically said that Elon Musk um, is, is, should pay more if he's going to take over Twitter. And uh, Saudi Prince Alawid bin Talal al-Saud, a billionaire who is also one of Twitter's largest shareholders, tweeted that he will vote to reject Elon Musk's $41 billion all-cash bid for the company, leading Musk to question Saudi Arabia's commitment to free speech. And this is, again, this is a radical lefty. And this is why um, people like uh, Lindsey Graham were so upset over Jamal Khashoggi's death. Because Jamal Khashoggi was Bin Talal's right-hand man. Bin Talal financed media and had Jamal Khashoggi run it (coughs) as propaganda machines against the Saudi kingdom, right now the Solomon kingdom, the Solomon family, who saw things a lot differently politically. They were more in support of, say, the Muslim Brotherhood, Bin Talal, and overthrowing Mubarak in Egypt, and they were supportive of terrorism (coughs) against Israel. They were anti-Semitic. And there is just so many other things. You know, I have video of Bin Talal and Jamal Khashoggi and Bill Gates video. You know, having meetings 
uh, to talk about not only vaccines, but also they were connecting with the Four Seasons owner, and they were um, uh, talking about other investments that involved universities, like at Harvard. And they were heavily invested. And then now you got Bill Gates working with China in land grabs, agricultural land grabs, and pushing synthetic meats to replace beef, despite the fact that they go on these private jets all over the world, and the fossil fuels associated with that could feed 800,000 cattle or something like that. They've come up with some number. But the idea is that in the name of green initiatives, we have these wars that are causing the gas prices to go up and causing consumption to go down. And you wonder how much of this is intentional and how much of this is just bona fide, boneheaded stupidity. And I think it's the the predecessor to that. I think it's intentional. Because no these these are not dumb people, is what my point is. They're not that dumb. And although Biden doesn't really know what day it is or what's going on, he's a puppet and everybody knew it. But the team he has conspiring one agenda after the next, day after day, Biden doesn't even know what hits him. He just reads on words off of a page. If you were to ask Biden what he's actually saying after he reads his speech, he's in like machine mode. He doesn't even know what he just said. What did you just say? He wouldn't even know. I got to tell you, I'm guilty of that. I've, I've, I've done that once or twice in my life where I read something and I didn't even, I couldn't, I, if, they, if someone asked me, what did you just read? I don't think I did this on the radio because on the radio I don't read. I ad lib, you know. But what I'm saying is I've read something and I'm like, what? Well, I have to read it again. I have to <laughs> pay attention. I was just reading it. You know, it, it it does happen. But I think that Biden does that every single time he reads a speech. He has no clue as to what he's actually saying. It's the people over at the Brookings Institution that are writing up those scripts, you know, for the numbnuts that are working for Joe Biden. And they're being told what to do by corporate pressures. You know, people like Larry Fink and, and BlackRock who want to control people's behaviors. People over at Disney that want to actually groom your children for the next generation of political voters. Eight years from now, ten years from now, that eight-year-old is going to be voting. And you better believe that they're grooming that eight-year-old to be an anti-Christian, to be uh, pro-LGBTQ, pro-trans, to be woke, to be pro-Black Lives Matter Marxists. You know, speaking of that, you got this 22-year-old that shot up a people in a mall in South Carolina. And guess what? That person's walking the streets now on release with an ankle bracelet on. The J6 people can't even get charged. They're still waiting for a trial. They're still waiting to be charged. And they can't even get charged now. And they're rotting in jail for uh, going on two years by the time they get to, get to court. They will have already served two years in jail. People have died as a result of this. And this, this Black Lives Matter guy uh, who shot up people in a mall 
is walking the streets right now with an ankle bracelet or he's stuck at home, but he gets to stay at home and do his work. He gets to keep, keep, you know, continue working. Street thug. There's a picture of uh, a video of Black Lives Matter blocking an intersection and the police decked them and uh, took them down and arrested them. And I said, wow, they should, they should have done that a long time ago. Kudos to the Pittsburgh police. All right, let's take a listen to this Twitter uh, thing about the poison pill. This guy, um, you're going to hear his name in just a second. Uh, I think it was, this was a great Q&A uh, by a really good news outlet. Uh, I promoted last week uh, WION. It's an Indian-based news outlet that talks about Ukraine and talks about all kinds of great topics. And I think that they're good. I recommend them strongly over at YouTube. And I have no connection with them or interest. I just found them, and I thought they were great. Uh, they get, they had great topics, and they covered the topics well. Um, so I just recommend that you check them out, W-I-O-N. Um, but then also... Uh, this is uh, connected with um, Epoch Times or Epic Times, and it's it's called uh, NTD. So if you were to search YouTube for NTD, you would find that uh, a really good news outlet. I think it's better than Newsmax. I think it's better than OANN, um, and they cover China issues more because Epic Times has a has a uh, Chinese connection, but in a uh, perhaps a you know more conservative patriotic position uh, from an American viewpoint. In any case, um, let's take a listen to this uh, exchange related to the Twitter board and their take you know their poison pill uh, maneuver. Let's take a listen. All right, let's let's see if we can get our sound right. And we are getting it right. Here we go. Professor Michael Buster. Professor, thanks for coming on. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> and joining us live is Stockton University finance professor Michael Buster. Professor, thanks for coming on. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. As you know, it's my pleasure to be here. Professor, who is the upper hand here, Musk or the Twitter board? Well, it appears that the Twitter board uh, has the upper hand right now. Uh, but we'll see what uh, Elon Musk's plan B is. So what did the board do? As you pointed out, a poison pill is an action that um, the uh, board would take to make purchasing Twitter less attractive. Uh, what they did was called a limited duration shareholders' rights plan, which means for, I think it's a year, um, the shareholders will be able to buy additional shares of Twitter stock at a reduced price. This will... Uh, increase the number of shares outstanding and make it a little more expensive for uh, uh, um, Elon Musk to be able to uh, purchase this. He still has a couple things he can do. Uh, he can try just on the open market to get more than 50% of the ownership, uh, which would give him control. He would rather take the company private, uh, and being private, they have less reporting requirements, and he'd be able to do a few more things that a public corporation uh, could could not do. Another thing he can do is um, by what's called a proxy vote, get the majority of the stockholders to vote the current 
uh, board of directors out and put in a new board of directors that would be um, amenable to uh, Elon Musk's offer. I How thought likely I saw- is that? How likely is that proxy vote? Um, that is an, an option that, that he can take. There's some court action that he also uh, can take. I think the proxy vote is probably the most likely because I thought I saw somebody uh, did a, a survey and said 84% of the uh, Twitter stockholders favor Elon Musk's plan. And why not? The stock was selling at $40 a share. Musk bought the 9%, shot up to over $50 a share. He's offering almost $55 a share. So stockholders think this is a pretty good thing. But Musk indeed thinks that the shareholders will be upset with the board because of this poison pill. But if you're a shareholder, would you not be happy to buy more shares at a discount? Uh, if you wanted to buy the shares, yes, but if you don't buy the shares, and not everybody's in a position to start buying more shares, so if you don't buy the shares, the your share of ownership will be diluted. Uh, so I'm not so sure the stockholders are going to favor this. Twitter had offered Musk a seat on the board just a few days ago. Why do you think they appear so hostile to him now? Well, uh, he, he could take that seat, but if he bought over 15, by being a member of the board of directors, he's not allowed to own over 15% of Twitter. So he would never be able to get uh, control of the company if he accepted the seat on the board, which is why he rejected it. It seems the board haven't come back with a counteroffer. Is it possible they're more interested in keeping control of the company than actually profiting from it? I believe so. It's hard to tell exactly what's in their mind, but I believe they're more fearful of uh, Musk getting control of the company and changing its formats somewhat. Many people believe that uh, Twitter has become very biased in what they allow and what they don't uh, allow. Um, And if they want to continue, the current board wants to continue to do that, they're going to have to keep uh, Musk's ownership uh, down. Uh, So we'll just have to see what what happens and what action the board takes. Professor Michael Bustler, Stockton University. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend, Professor. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. So I thought that was very informative. And, you know, um, the the stockholders have a fiduciary duty to the shareholders. I mean, uh, the uh, board has a fiduciary duty to the shareholders of Twitter. But, you know, there was an announcement, too, that said, you know, the board owns very few shares. Jack Jack Dorsey owns practically the most shares. So, you know, I don't know what they're talking about, you know, with regard to Bin Talal. He has he's a, he's not a, he's on the board and he owns a considerable amount, too. He was not on this list, but um, uh, so it could be that he owns just a different set of shares. Here, here is uh, something that Cernovich said. He says, "Will you hire an auditor to discover how many despots have employees working at Twitter, and using this access to dox and imprison dissidents?" So they were talking about Alawi Talal again, really bad actor. And from what I understand, Talal paid helped pay for Obama's Harvard education. Um, he's that guy with the shades and kind of a mystery man. He definitely connected with Jamal Khashoggi. And again, I'll never forget how Lindsey Graham was basically really upset that Jamal Khashoggi was taken down. And, uh, I thought that's strange. He never cared at all about, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, 
those uh, Foley and uh, and uh, the other journalists that were beheaded by the Taliban. But all of a sudden, Lindsey Graham has like you know cares cares a lot about uh, Jamal Khashoggi, and that's because these were radical lefties that were supporting the uh, liberal uh, socialist anti-Semitic agenda, overthrowing you know Gaddafi, over you know opening up the oil traffic um, with the mercenaries that were the uh, that they used to call ISIS or ISIL. And um, and they were protecting these oil distribution channels. They were making a lot of oil companies rich and helping supply oil chains into Europe and down into South Africa. And it's interesting when you take a look at that piece that we just talked about with regard to stealing Iraqi oil and using ISIS rebels as mercenaries to pass the oil through Turkey through the assistance and cooperation with Erdogan, the leader of Turkey who is transforming Turkey into a radical Islamic nation, uh, overthrowing Mubarak and replacing him with Muslim Brotherhood, Morsi. Only for him, he got he took off, bit off more than he could chew, and they now got al-Sisi in, in place. But then they overthrew Qaddafi and they stole Qaddafi's weapons and Qaddafi was going to be a gatekeeper that was going to be too expensive. They took him out, even despite the fact that he was cooperating with the nuclear weapons and weapons of mass destruction in general. He was cooperating with the United States. But instead, they took all of his assets, stored him in a schoolhouse in Benghazi and was distributing weapons to help the mercenary group, the ISIS rebels, destabilized parts of Syria, which was a thorn in Russia's side because Russia and Syria are best buddies. And that put us directly at odds with Russia. And that oil would be competing with Russia's oil coming down from the north through the Nord Stream systems, which was in some part, not large part, but some part controlled by Gazprom and and the president, the former president of Germany, Schroeder. So you can go on and on with this like unraveling of connections and oligarchs. And Zelensky is also a very wealthy man. There are oligarchs in Ukraine. You know, some people are calling someone like Elon Musk an oligarch in America. So what? They're really wealthy businessmen. They're they're cooperating with governments. And, you know, and in part, the governments are giving them contracts. Like if you're Hunter Biden, you get a contract. If you're Don Jr., you don't. You know, and anytime you have a rogue, corrupt system of crony, crony politics like that, as soon as you have that, and as soon as you open up that Pandora's box, you end up having a situation that's just uh, a banana republic. Caller, you're on the air. This is uh, John from Chicagoland. Welcome. Hey, Scott, how are you? I hope you had a good Easter. Yeah, I did. Thank you. I hope you, same same to you. I did, I did. Hey, uh, you know, you're talking about Lindsey Graham, who's one of the guys I love to hate. Uh, in, given the, the disaster he is, he's a senator from South Carolina, which, talk about provincial. I mean, South Carolina's a nice state and all that, but why is a South Carolina senator messing around with the Middle East? <laughs> 
there's a guy who's not representing his constituents. He's a wall when it comes to illegal immigration at the border, but he's all over when it comes to uh, Khashoggi. I do remember that as well, thinking the same thing. He was all upset about Khashoggi. I don't know what happened. Well, you know what? That was when Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, came into office. And if you notice, that, that obviously did not endear us to, uh, to bin Salman and the Saudis then, a new Saudi regime. And now they're backing away from the United States. He was one of the leaders who would not take Biden's call. And they are receptive to the ruble yuan, natural ruble yuan. Right, uh, because they're shrewd. The uh, Russians and Right, well, so they're, they're willing to talk to these guys as insurance because we were so, you know, I think he was worried about being Qaddafi or that sort of thing, uh, and or Assaded, so to right. speak, for what happened to uh, the guy in Syria. And so this is what happens when we're playing games there. And as you said, we lit that place on fire, particularly under Obama. Obama and Clinton were disasters. And, you know, another thing they did, when they did that reset button, I heard someone point out this other, the other day with Russia in 2009 or 2010. That was to say, oh, you want to have uh, Medvedev as your president because they perceived him as weaker and less hawkish or less uh, nationalist than Putin. Well, guess what? Putin heard that. And so they remember these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. When you, you meddle in all these countries, we just made a disaster out of it. And Gaddafi, what happened after Gaddafi? They had open-air slave markets over there for a while. It was a, it's still a disaster. Same thing you know, in Egypt. In Syria, now you've had so many uh, refugee flow. You've had so many people killed. What is the point of this? And Lindsey Graham was a part of all of that. And, you yes. know, apparently he went over to Taiwan and was rabble-rousing there. And subsequent to that, the Chinese staged a, uh, a big military show of force. And apparently in one of their sort of tweets or one of their communiques, they indicated that that was one of the uh, – somehow they indicated that was one of the uh, – uh, inciting events that led them, that is, Graham going over there and playing the same games he did in Ukraine and in other places, that, that that was what in part led them to make that show of force with Taiwan. So, I mean, as Mark Stein says, every time Lindsey Graham opens up his mouth, Amer the Republicans lose. And I think America right. loses. Right, right. And, you, you know, you could also pay attention to Donald Trump and what he would say. When he talked about um, the Russian hoax... He said, what I learned about Watergate, because I believe that they were the same playbook, um, Watergate and the Russian hoax were very similar, run by the same person that was on both you know, the committee and you know, Hillary Clinton. Right. But in any case, he said, I choose not to get involved because that, that, that's what got Nixon in trouble. So he didn't get involved. And he was right to not do so because they couldn't get their dirty hooks into him. And they couldn't get him on obstruction. And they couldn't get him out of office. That was the, the first thing. And, you know, when he talks about uh, the oil, he was like, keep the oil. And he's like, yeah, I took our troops out of the, the uh, line of fire between Syria and Turkey, but I kept them there to, to guard the oil. And that's what really uh, angered Lindsey Graham, because Lindsey Graham was profiting from these oil deals, these oil rights and access rights to these oil properties, um, you know, to, to, to keep them flowing. And so they were basically, in essence, stealing Iraqi oil and leveraging against Iran and leveraging against Russia 
Um, but they were they were profiting from that. And the way you got these mercenaries to actually su- secure their property, their interest, was to actually use uh, Libyan assets. Then they were running guns out of Benghazi right. and it, right into uh, Raqqa, Syria, which is where, you know, al-Baghdadi was stationed and headed up. But, you know, never forget, too, Obama... And his team released al-Baghdadi from Camp Bukha in a detention center in 2012 or 2010 or 11 or 12. And he was released from Camp Bukha and within a short amount of time set up headquarters in Raqqa, Syria. You can't tell me that's not by design. You know what I mean? I'd say it's by incompetence and, and ideology. Remember when they traded five terrorists? Pretty big, big For Bert Bergdahl. For Bo Bergdahl, and some of those guys, I thought were right back on the field, which is they were negotiating. <laughs> and the guy just, left. Three of them were negotiating yeah. just in Afghanistan a year and a half ago under the Biden regime. You know that that whole yeah. hot mess in Afghanistan. Three of those five were involved in that deal. And what in the end have we gotten out of all our machinations in the Middle East? Nothing. Trump is right. We spent six, seven trillion dollars and we got nothing out of it. It's time we reevaluate, you know, what we're doing. Like Ukraine, you know, that's their problem. That's not our problem. And NATO, you know, know. that's more of Europeans' problem, not Europe's problem, EU's problem, not ours, not our problem. Well, all of this is so preventable. And then we're talking about, you know, people talking about limited use of nuclear weapons it's, I, and, and that's because they're such children. They don't yeah. realize and don't take seriously the possibility of tremendous yeah. conflict and, yeah. and how terrible this would be. It's yeah. childlike. Absolutely. Well, we'll plumb out of time, but thank you, John, for calling in today. Right. Have a great day, John. All right. Bye. Take care. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. There's still a lot more that we want to cover. Um, but in any case, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams Show today. Be sure to check out the Substack. We're going to write up on this show in the coming hours, and it'll be posted in just a short amount of time uh, over at scottadamshow.substack.com. So scottadamshow.substack.com. Check out magapack.org, what we're doing to advance America First policies to make America great again. Uh, We need your donations and support for that. Uh, And also check out uh, MyPillow.com. And if you do, use Red State as your promo code. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.